If I had to send in my hashtag, I would say that in my hometown at our county fair every summer, the highlight event was something called hog mud wrestling. And I'm not even ashamed to say that I participated in this multiple times growing up. Well, my name is Caitlin, and I serve as groups coordinator here at Infuse. And I currently live in Tiffin with my husband and my son, but I grew up in a town called Ida Grove, Iowa. And this is the part after I say where I'm from that I follow it up with. So have you heard of that? You've probably never heard of that before. I'd say it's like a 80-20 rate on people that have recognized that town. And to give you a frame of reference about Ida Grove, its population is around 2,000. Um, we have one stoplight, one dollar general, six churches, I feel like that's pretty standard for a small town, right? And uh, my graduating class, which is the ultimate measure of your small town, right, was around 50, although I think it's a little larger than that now. And the reason that I'm sharing so much about my hometown that I grew up in is because when Taylor asked me to share my summer story for this appropriately named sermon series, Summer Stories, the thing I kept thinking about was memories growing up in my childhood summers centered in my hometown. We didn't really travel a lot as a kid. We didn't go on big family road trips, big camping trips. We didn't have a lake house or anything like that to go to, um, which was okay because I still got to make lots of awesome memories just really close to home. So the classic small town summer things really define my summer, like um, going to the county fair, which I mentioned, I promise, we did more than just hog mud wrestle. There was a lot of great things at the county fair. It's definitely a highlight. Um, we also, oh, my first summer job was detasseling corn. I feel like that's about as like classic as you can get. And if you don't know what detasseling corn is, we'll get to that, and you can probably imagine how that went for me. Um, we also rode our bikes everywhere. And I think this is probably true if you live in a small town or not, if you think of your childhood summers. We would ride our bikes all day. Anywhere we wanted to go, we could get there by bike. And that was the benefit of being in a smaller town, that we could go anywhere by bike. But we just did that all day with very little contact with our parents. I don't know how common that is anymore, but we also spent lots and lots of time at the city pool. Like, pool from one to four, go home, eat supper, pool again from seven to nine. And I think about that now when I was writing this and I was like, I am really envious of having that much free time again. I wish that was true of my summers now. But the more I thought about my summers, I realized that it wasn't necessarily these things that defined summer for me. It was really actually who I spent them with that defined my summers. And maybe this is true for you, that your summer memories are more about who you shared them with than what you did. Now, don't get me wrong, all of those things were great and awesome, but it was really more about my who that defined my summer when I reflected back now. And that person for me was my childhood friend, Becky. Becky and I were the classic small town friends. We grew up together from birth. I, that's another benefit of living in a small town. You don't really have to make friends too often. You're kind of just born with them. And we lived about five blocks from each other, um, so we could bike to and from each other's house very easily. And we lived five blocks from each other the entire time that we lived in Ida Grove. 
for all the way till we graduated. So we shared a lot of summer memories together. Just all of those things I mentioned earlier, Becky was there. Now, I'm curious if you guys also have a who from your summer, right? That it's more about who you shared your summer with than what you did. So I think most of you do, but we're gonna try this out for ourselves. And online, if you guys are watching online, you can try this too. We're gonna close our eyes. And we're gonna picture that person that defined a summer for us. It could have been a childhood friend, a love interest, a relationship, whoever that was from the past or present, right? Imagine that person. Okay, now I can't see you all very well, and online I know I can't see you, but type in the chat box, yes, if you can think of someone. Raise your hand if you can think of someone, right, that defined your summer. Okay, yeah, you can think of at least one person that defined a summer for us, right? And I feel like that speaks to how important connection and relationships can be. Because oftentimes, we can remember so much farther along who we share these memories with than maybe the details specifically of what we did. But as most of you know, friendships aren't always easy. No relationship, for that matter, is perfect or easy. And spoiler alert, I'm not perfect either. So despite being friends since birth, I can't say that I was always a good friend to Becky. I can remember more times than I probably like to admit um, being unkind, saying unkind words, just thinking I could get away with that because we'd been friends for so long. Um, specifically, I think a big chunk of that was that teenage girl phase. I can blame it on that, but really, it was just me being an imperfect person. Um, and oftentimes, I would try to fit in with the cool kids, the cool girls, and I would leave Becky on the wayside, despite all of those things that we did growing up and those good memories we shared. And I'm sure that was very hurtful for her. And, you know, that's the downside to connection. It's this hurt and the letdowns that we can sometimes incur along the way. On a less serious note, I also let Becky down because she was the person that I signed up to detassel corn with that summer, um, mostly so I could hang out with her older brother and his friends, but I definitely did sign up with Becky. And detasseling corn, for those of you that don't know, is um, you take this dirty bus so early in the morning and you ride to a cornfield where you walk up and down the rows and pull out the tassels. I don't have much description other than that. You're in the summer heat. It's very sweaty and dirty. And I can't tell you much else because I quit after only a week. I only lasted a week. And so poor Becky was left to finish out her summer detasseling alone without her friend. So I'm sure that wasn't great either. So I'm curious for you guys, is the person that defines your summer, that person that you thought of when you closed your eyes or when you thought about summer, is that person still in your life today? Do you still have a relationship with them? Are you still in communication? Maybe you're just Facebook friends now. Think about maybe the hurt that incurred in these relationships for you along the way. Maybe that was on your end, like me being the less than kind friend. Um, but also maybe that was vice versa. And for you, you incurred the hurt along the way. That led to the distance, 
that led to the lack of communication, the lack of text messages or phone calls, and just distanced that friendship over time. Now, the climactic point in my story here are Becky and I still friends today? It'll leave you hanging for like a little moment of suspense. But yes, I'd say we are still friends today. But that's of no fault of my own. The reason that Becky and I are still friends, the reason that these memories are what I think of when I think of Summer with her is because of the kind of friend that she was to me. Becky always welcomed me back over. She forgave me. She was very non-judgmental about all of these things. And all throughout our time growing up together, I considered her a friend. And still to this day, I even got to contact her, make sure it was okay that I used her name and shared this story today. And it was really nice to reflect on our summers growing up and kind of reconnect. Now, it, like I said, it wasn't about what I did as a friend. It was really about what Becky did. So it got me thinking that if a lot of us can think of someone who defined our summer, if these relationships are so important, what makes them last? What makes those friendships that can last through those things, through childhood into adulthood, what makes those relationships in your life, maybe your partner, last for life, right? When you get married, what makes that last for life? Or even what are those qualities that makes God so good to follow? What makes him so great that we are giving our lives to him? Those first two questions are definitely something I had asked myself before. I've asked what it means to be a good friend, what it means to be a good spouse or a good partner, but I've never really considered what makes God so great to follow. I mean, we talk about it a lot, right? God is good, we sang it this morning. But what are those things that make us or make others want to follow him for thousands of years? I mean, he's a pretty popular guy when you think about it. The fact that he's had followers for thousands of years. So there has to be something about him, some qualities that we can draw from and learn from. What are those qualities that make him last? What makes that relationship with God last? So that is what we are going to investigate together today. Now, as I looked for this in the Bible, I found that we can actually hear from the man himself. He speaks to Moses, and we'll get to Moses in a little bit here, but in this verse, he speaks to Moses, and he's telling him who he is. He's telling him a list of these good qualities about him that makes him a God worth following. Now, we can use this as a pretty accurate judge of who God is because it's referenced up to 20 more times in the Bible itself. So this isn't just a one and done kind of thing. This verse carries itself out in different ways throughout the Bible over and over again, time and time again, God is proving that these qualities are true. So we can use it as a pretty accurate judge of who God is, of his character. So in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, he starts off, like any good introduction should, right, with his name. It says, and he, God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming Yahweh, Yahweh, which is just another word for Lord, another name that he went by in Hebrew. A God compassionate, so now he's listing off those traits, he's compassionate and gracious, 
He's slow to anger, and he's overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. All good things, right? I mean, a lot of these words are probably pretty easy for us to define because we've heard them often. Like, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. I mean, you've probably heard those once or twice at a wedding that you've been to, if that sounds familiar. Those are used pretty often. If you're in the working world, we probably have used these before in job interviews. These are qualities, maybe not these exact words, but these are qualities that we want to emulate when we're trying to get a job. I know that I recently filled out a reference form for a friend for a job, and I use words like compassionate and caring to describe her because those are good things and that's who she is. And maybe if you're on online dating, dating profiles, you like to use good words too to describe yourself, right? That's how you're gonna attract a partner. And so maybe not these exact ones again, but you're gonna use words like compassionate and faithful. You want a faithful partner too, right? But loyal love, that word is one that maybe you don't use on your dating profile too often. Um, but hey, if you guys wanna give that a try and let me know how it works out, happy to hear about it. Maybe that'll work out in your favor. I can be a matchmaker. But this concept of loyal love, that's what we're going to dig in to di into today. We're going to figure out what is loyal love. Now, loyal love actually translates from the Hebrew word. Like most of the Bible, it's been translated from Hebrew, and sometimes in the mix, some of these words can get a little switched up, right? Um, the meaning can get construed a little bit. And so it's important to go back and kind of study that a little bit and try to figure it out. So the Hebrew word for loyal love is hesed. Now, hesed is a hard word to define, like I said, for that reason of Hebrew to English, but also because it's a really special and unique term that combines a lot of different things into one. So the best way I can describe it, the best definition that I found was an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. I'm gonna repeat that for you guys again. An act of promise-keeping loyalty that's motivated by deep personal care. Now, like I said, this term is special and unique because it combines so many qualities into one, right? Now, the three main qualities, the way to break it down a little easier is that it combines love, generosity, and commitment, all into one term, one characteristic, hesed, or loyal love. Now, this term hesed, it's not just used in Exodus. Like I said earlier, that this verse was quoted and referenced a lot in the Bible. And this term of God's hesed is also referenced again. So we're going to talk about just one of those ways, kind of dig a little deeper into seeing this in the story, seeing it in action, to kind of figure out more of what that means. Now, God himself, he knew the worth of being connected with others. So we are going to go back to the story of the Israelites to see this word in action. So God knew the worth in being connected to others. He knew how important it was to be in relationship from the very beginning. 
So even though he couldn't be physically present, he decided that he would do his best to engage the world and be present in relationship with them, even if it wasn't physical, through a relationship with a group of people. And he chose this ragtag bunch, the Israelites. And he promised to them that he was going to do great things through them, that he was going to protect them and deliver them, and that they were going to be just this great example of God's character. They were supposed to emulate all these good things, be set apart and different from the others, so that everyone else could see God's characteristics, God's hesed, all of these great things that we talked about earlier. Now, their story had a lot of ups and downs, but we're going to catch up with them right after they get out of slavery. So again, slavery, that doesn't sound like something that God's Hesed would do, right? But they are in slavery for about 430 years, just to put that in reference. It was a really long time, but God continued to, despite all that, he kept his promise, and he did. He delivered them from that. He sent Moses to break them out of their slavery and lead, this, lead them on this journey to a better land. Now, along the way, God continued to be that loyal and loving guy that he is. And when they were hungry, sent bread from heaven. When there was an obstacle in their path, like the sea, just parted that bad boy right open. They just walked on through. And he even equipped them with this great leader, Moses, to make it all happen, to keep them on track, on course. We're going to catch up with them when they get to the land of Canaan in the book of Numbers. And when they arrive at Canaan, God tells them, tells the Israelites to send out some men, check out the lay of the land, and see what's going on. So they go out, and these men see lots of good things. They see fruit and good soil that would make good crops, but they also see some things that get them a little worried. They see some strong men from nations that they really fear, that they've had contact with before and did not end well. So they come back to camp. They're panicked. They're fearful because they don't know if they are equipped enough to make it through this they were going to survive these battles that they might incur with the people in this land. Now, when they become fearful, that fear starts to turn in to doubt. And they begin to doubt Moses, their leader, and his plan, but also ultimately God's plan for them, God's promise. And in Numbers 14, verses 1 through 4, we can see kind of how this all went down. So that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. So this is after they had come back and given them this news of, hey, we saw these guys out there, didn't look so good for us. And they are in full-blown panic. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother, another leader for them. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this? And why is he letting us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? They are just done at this point. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. That was it. They were 
out of there. They were peacing out. They were done. They weren't going to stick around to see what's going to happen because they were afraid. They were doubting God's promise. Now, this is typical of human hesed, right? Of human loyal love because we aren't perfect. And as humans, we can tend to be motivated by certain conditions, just like the Israelites. So we can see this in our relationships with others when maybe we have needs that aren't being met. I know you can ask my husband, I'm a pretty needy wife, and so he probably knows about this. And when my needs aren't being met or when things aren't getting done the way I want them to, I can tend to be quick to snap, quick to anger, to say an unkind word. And also, it can be hard for me to want to show love or be kind in those situations where my needs, my conditions aren't being met. But we can also see this in our relationship with God, just like the Israelites. It becomes very easy for us as humans to doubt what he's doing, to be afraid. Because when you are in the midst of a storm in your life, it can be so hard to see what's on the other side. When you are deep in those struggles, you feel afraid and you begin to doubt that God has a plan or a purpose in all of this. When we become afraid of the why me's and the what if's, we can begin to doubt God's goodness too, just like the Israelites did. Now all of that is typical of human hesed, of human loyal love, but that is not typical of God's hesed. Now, in Numbers, the verse that we're going to get to next, we're going to see this term hesed used in action in God's response to the Israelites wanting to give up and go home. And in Numbers 14:9, it says, this is Moses, and he's praying this to God in response to what the Israelites have done. He says, in accordance with your great hesed, Forgive the sins of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. Moses is saying, God, we know of your loyal love. We know it's so good and that you can forgive us just like you have before because that's who you are. It's in your character. It's your hesed. And so God does. He does forgive them. And he recommits himself to this group of people who don't even want to be committed to him. Because that's just who he is. His hesed. Now, there are two big parts of this term hesed that we can learn from this use in Numbers 14, 19. One, God's hesed is enduring. Despite the betrayals from the Israelites that went on for thousands of years, despite death and tragedy, God continues to keep his promises. He continues to provide and to forgive. He even continues this on with sending his son Jesus in human form to be on earth. And in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he creates a new pathway for us now to be in relationship with him. It continues on, it endures, and does not change. The second thing that we can learn about God's hesed from this verse is that God's hesed is not about worth. Did the Israelites deserve forgiveness 
for their fear and their doubting, for their sins? Probably not, but God forgives them anyway, because that's just who he is. Did I deserve Becky's friendship? Also probably not, because it wasn't really about what I did as a friend. It was about what Becky did that made that friendship different. Now, as humans, this concept of hesed can be one that's difficult for us to grasp, and that's because we are more conditional, right? We are imperfect, so it can be hard for us to think of God, God's hesed, as enduring and, and deserving, that we are deserving of that no matter what. That's a difficult thing for us to grasp. And I know for myself, I wrestled with this on my faith journey a lot. It was hard for me to see past my mistakes, my failures, my shortcomings, because they just kept happening over and over again. And I didn't understand how to get out of this cycle, how to see that I was worthy of God's love. And also when all those things are happening, it can be really hard to see what his plan is in all of that, to see that he's actually working in that moment. But there was a truth that helped set me free from this. And that truth was, it's not about who I am, it's about who God is. Like I said before, it wasn't about who I was as a friend to Becky because I wasn't a good one. It was about Becky's friendship that made that impact on my life. And it wasn't about who the Israelites were, ungrateful, selfish, doubters. It was about who God is to forgive them despite those things. It's not about who I am. It's about who God is. Let that sink in for a moment. Now, the story of God's Hesed, it doesn't end with the Israelites in the Bible. It continues on even with us today. God's Hesed has the ability to impact our lives today and change the way that we relate to him and the way that we relate to others. Because when we can accept, sometimes if we can accept the truth that we don't deserve God's love, it's not about who I am or what I've done, but it's about who God is, that can be the thing to remove those roadblocks in our life, remove those things that might be keeping us from a deeper relationship with him, or even in a relationship with trusting him at all. For some of you that are listening today or here in this room, you might be really unsure of where you stand with God. You might be unsure of your relationship with him, how you feel about him, or even who he is, right? And at Infuse, that's okay. We welcome this as a place to explore your faith. But I hope that learning about God's Hesed today removes just a little bit of that uncertainty about who God is. And that you can remove that roadblock because sometimes we are the ones standing in our own way of getting into a deeper relationship with God, of trusting Him. Because it's not about who we are or what we've done. It's about who God is and His Hesed remains. His love remains despite those things. Now, regardless of where you stand with your relationship with God, you can still take this model um, to transform your own relationships today. 
And I want you to take this with you this week, so much so that I'm going to take it with me. I'm going to use the Sharpie here to physically write the word Hesed on my arm. This could lead to some really interesting conversations at work tomorrow, by the way, because I wear short sleeves, so we'll see how that turns out. But this, this thing of Hesed, this concept of God's Hesed, I want you to stick with you today, and I want you to take it with you in the weeks and the months to come. Because showing this kind of promise-keeping loyalty that's motivated by deep personal care, when you show that to others, it can truly be transformative in their lives. But it's not, it's not just the love that's transformative, right? Because we see that a lot. We can be loving to each other, but it's this concept of the deep, lasting commitment that makes a difference. It's showing love to others and the enduring commitment to that. It's caring for them and keeping your promises and your commitments to them despite how annoyed you are that your husband left the dirty dishes in the sink again. It's showing love and keeping your commitments despite the fact that you don't really need another to-do list item. You've got enough. Despite the fact that you are tired, you just got home from a long day at work, and you're over it. Despite the fact that the last time you spoke to that person or that friend, they were less than kind. It's when we can put aside who we are and instead focus on who God is that we can be reminded to keep our promises, remain loyal, and love others despite all those things, but instead motivated out of the fact that we truly, deeply care. And what a great example that would be to our coworkers, to our friends, to our spouses, to our families. We could continue on this journey that God set out for the Israelites so long ago to be an example of God's character to others and possibly even spark an interest in them to investigate a deeper relationship with him. We can be a part of that story. Because we know how great God's Hesed is, and I hope that you take that with you today, because despite our doubts, despite our fears, despite our shortcomings and our failures, God's Hesed remains. God's loyal love remains despite all those things. And I am so thankful for my friend Becky and my other people in my life, my friends and family, that have shown hesed to me in my less than pleasant times. But I am most thankful for God's hesed that changed my life forever. Join me as we pray and thank God together. Heavenly Father, we just come before you so thankful for what you have done in our lives or what you have yet to do. We know that we aren't perfect and we see our shortcomings and flaws. We know the way that we may have hurt others, the, may that, the way that we may have doubted your plan in the past, but God, just help us to take this with us this week. Help us to remember your chesed and the example that you have set for us. 
I pray that, God, you are working in the hearts of those listening online and those here in this room, that you know what's on their hearts, that you hear those things, and that your chesed can reach them as well. I pray that if you are feeling challenged today, that, God, you just team up with them and you just work in their lives to continue to be your chesed to others, even the people that can be so hard to love. Just help us to take this with us this week, this month, this year, and help us to remember to thank you for it all, for your loyal love that remains despite anything, that it continues to endure, and that we don't even deserve it. But you give it to us anyway. I pray that we can accept that and carry that with us as we go. Amen.